Welcome to hey, guys, Your Rights up. at Work. Chris Garlock here, as always. If you've got questions about your workplace rights, 202-588-0893. Hey, that, uh, that your commotion you're hearing in the background, that is the sound of a live picket line. So we're going to go right there now. Who are we? Jesus! <laughs> we are... Who are we? Jesus! Who are we? Jesus! Hey, Chris, how you doing? Bill Davis, I am doing great. You, I see you're out there in the rain. A little rain's not going to stop the Teamsters, is it? No, a little rain ain't going to stop these guys. They're out here fighting for strong contracts and livable wages. A little rain ain't going to stop them, Chris. So let's uh, let's uh, go to cue folks in now. Uh, folks on this show know we've, we've been uh, reporting on the strike by ATU Local 689 members for over a month now <laughs> against a little company by the name of Keolis Transit, uh, owned by the French government. And as of, uh, I think, 3 o'clock uh, Monday morning, uh, your members of your local, Teams for 639, uh, have also walked out against uh, Keolis, but in a different county. What's going on? Yeah, Chris, so we cover the counties of Woodbridge and, and Prince uh, William County, Woodbridge and uh, Manassas, Virginia. We move commuters throughout this region into D in and out of the District of Columbia. And so we, we've, we've joined our brothers at ATU in our struggle with this, uh, uh, this international company that makes uh, $6 billion a year because we're out here fighting for good wages, good benefits, and a solid contract for these workers. Now, Billy, we talked a couple of months ago and uh, you were in negotiations uh, with Keolis and uh, you know, you were hopeful, frankly, that you'd be able to strike a deal, but uh, you know, it really didn't work out. What, what happened? Yeah, we, we were in negotiations, Chris, but the company was not dealing with us fairly. We filed unfair labor practice charges against the company because of their unlawful conduct. And we decided enough is enough. We're not going to just negotiate forever when they do not want to give us what we need to do. So we do, we decided, or the bargaining unit, the members decided, not me, they decided it's time to go on strike. What are some of the main issues uh, that, that really uh, are, are sort of, you know, key on the table right now for your folks? Well, uh, I, I want to let one of the committees talk here, if that's okay, Chris, but I'm going to tell you a little bit. Some of the committees, they, they wanted to raise our health care costs. They haven't contributed to a 401k in over a year. Mm. They don't want to. They don't want to give us a decent 401k amount to even save for retirement. And of course, they don't want to pay us a decent livable wage here in Northern Virginia, where it's very expensive. No, I know it's uh, it's not it's not like they're uh, they can exactly cry poor in those counties. Uh, who who you got from the bargaining committee to talk to us? I got I got Mufala here. Introduce yourself, Mufala. How you doing? My name is Mufala. How are you? Good, Mufal. Thanks so much uh, for joining us here on Your Rights at Work on WPFW. Uh, now, you, you're, a, you're a driver. Tell us a little bit about what that's like and how long you've been doing it. So I'm originally a driver uh, promoted to being a dispatcher. So it's both dispatchers and uh, operators uh, united fighting for uh, a better uh, insurance. Uh, we, most of us have been insured by uh, uh, Kaiser. 
uh, Keolis comes in, they say they want to take away Kaiser. Uh, and uh, they also stated that in place of taking Kaiser away, if they bring Kaiser back, it's just the employee that's going to be insured. Most of the employees out here are working for their family. So how can you insure just the employee? What are they going to do with their family? So they will have to look for another alternative. The insurance I originally used to have, I am paying a lot of money. It's time for me to also join on to Kaiser myself. So other than what Bill said, it's not only insurance. Also, we run Stafford County. <laughs> Stafford County buses to Washington, D.C. Look, we want to go back and then get these uh, uh, customers back, uh, you know, back on the road. And we want the company to treat us right. That's why we're here. We will strike and strike until they sign that contract that we need. One other question for you, Mustafa. Uh, have, have you ever been out on strike before? Is this your first strike? No, this is not my first strike. The first one we won, this one we will win. Excellent. Excellent. Mustafa, thanks so much. And victory, brother, victory. Thank you. I appreciate you. And then uh, keep up the good job you guys are also doing. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Bill Davis, any uh, last words for our listeners? Uh, tell them, just uh, tell them about the picket line. Where I think you have, what, two or three picket lines that I saw that you've got up right now, right? Yes, we have two picket lines up, one in Woodbridge and one in Manassas. And we have shut this company down, Chris. And all we need them to do is come to the table and get real and give us a deal that we can support that will support working families. That's what we need. And if we don't get it, we're going to stay out here. You're going to give us one more chant for the road, brother? <laughs> one more chant for the road. Who are we? Team Star! Who are we? Team Star! Who are we? Team Star! Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Bill. Keep up the struggle, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. All right, that's Bill Davis, Mustafa, and a whole lot of uh, upset teamsters that you're hearing there on the picket line. Uh, we've got details on where the picket lines are at, dclabor.org, click on calendar. And as I mentioned, uh, the teamsters are joining the uh, striking ATU Local 689 members that have uh, been on strike for over a month now uh, in Loudoun County. And we have details on the picket line there uh, as uh, dclabor.org as well. All right, uh, onward. And uh, unfortunately, I, I, I'm sad to say not upward. Um, there was a, a train derailment in a place called East Palestine, Ohio, which I have to confess I had not heard of uh, before this happened. And this was back on February 3rd. It didn't really get on my radar until folks like our next guest, Fritz Edler, uh, started making a big ruckus and drawing my attention. We've had Fritz on before, uh, most notably to talk about a horrible derailment up in Canada some years ago. Uh, Fritz Edler, welcome to your rights at work. Uh, well, uh, thank you so much for having us on. And it's an unfortunate thing that we have to keep meeting under these kinds of circumstances. Um, and I, I think this is, unfortunately, the reason why this Ohio wreck has got a lot of people's attention is because of the great danger and toxicity. And uh, unfortunately, that's kind of uh, overshadows the, the greater danger to the whole continent of the kinds of practices that are going on. And so what's happening is, is that the number of uh, wrecks per mile on the railroads is escalating and it's all escalating essentially for the same reasons. So, uh, yeah, so let's talk about this. Uh, the, the Ohio wreck is a great 
it, it's going to uncover a lot of where the, all the bodies are buried, so to speak, about some of these problems. Yeah, let me just remind folks, uh, Fritz, he's a veteran railroader. He's a special rep for Railroad Workers United. They've got a great website. He's also a former local and regional officer for BLET-IBT. That's the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen. That's part of the Teamsters. So we got kind of a Teamsters theme going so far uh, this hour. Now, Fritz, you know, when we've had you on before and we've covered these issues with trains, one of the reasons that we want our listeners to pay attention is because wherever the derailment, like what last time I think we were talking about what's happening up in Canada, people are like, well, this ain't Canada, this is the US. And you were reminding folks, you know, trains run all over the country that pretty much wherever you live, there's a train not too far. And to sort of underline this point, just give us the quick story on East Palestine, because I've been looking at some of the pictures and this is a devastated little community, uh, even now after a couple of weeks. That's actually quite similar in a way, uh, just uh, geographically and demographically with the town of Lakmagantic that you mentioned. They're both about the same size population. They're both essentially semi-rural uh, and they're both places that got victimized with no discernible benefit for the people who live there from the from the uh, practices that were going on. And I wanna make sure you take note of this picture that's behind me. Mm -hmm. The picture that's behind me is from the 2016 wreck that took place right in DC. If the question is whether people don't understand that this comes home, this is what happened on, the, on May 1st of 2016. This was a CSX train. It was actually a longer train than the one that derailed in Ohio. And uh, the only reason it didn't make a bigger impact in the media was because no one was killed, although that was strictly a question of luck. Uh, this particular derailment that took place at the Rhode Island Avenue Metro Station was just a short distance from an apartment building and all this important infrastructure, and it's just luck that it didn't turn out to be a bigger disaster, and the root causes are essentially the same. So in this particular uh, wreck in 2016 in DC, the approximate cause was a wheel axle defect. That's the same thing that is now being, uh, you know, focused on as the cause of the wreck in Ohio. But in uh, these are 19th century style defects. These are things that shouldn't be happening anymore. We have the technology, we have the means, we know the science, we know how to do it. And why are they continuing to go on? And one of those answers is the, the operating practice of all the class one railroads in the country, which is called precision scheduled railroading or PSR. So uh, it has just come out just today that um, the Norfolk Southern in the case of the wreck in Ohio had uh, gotten rid of the specialist employees who were members of the signalman's union who knew how to take care of and were the people responsible for the maintain, maintenance of the wayside detectors that are supposed to catch these uh, kinds of defects. In the case of the Ohio thing, they know that it, for at least 20 miles, there was evidence that this uh, defect was going on. All of that time, if best practices, normal practices, which are unfortunately not regulated by the federal government, uh, if those practices had been conducted in the way they would have been in the past, this defect almost certainly would have been caught before any of the important damage that's taken place here. In this case, they just got the damage right before the wreck. 
202-588-0893 is how you join the conversation. You're listening to Your Rights at Work. Chris Garlock here on WPFW. We're talking to Fritz Edler. He's a veteran railroader, as you can tell from the way he's talking about trains, because I sure as heck don't know anything about him. He's a special rep for Railroad Workers United. Now, Fritz, I was just reading about this, and so what you were talking about was this this terrible accident, which was a derailment, and, and you do have this picture of, of the one that happened here in D.C. I, I see that, that location by Rhode Island. I see it all the time when I'm on the metro, um, but, you know, it, it's something, the thing that happened in East Palestine, I was, again, it was, what I was reading was, was apparently something that happened with a bearing, which, you know, I'm sure they're much bigger on a railroad car, but apparently that bearing somehow created a fire. And so the train was rolling into town on fire, which is already, I'm thinking, not a good thing. But then you had the added problem of a bunch of these rail cars had, I guess, either toxic chemicals or chemicals <laughs> that once they're exposed uh, become toxic. Help me out here. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's 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 go back to the beginning. So the train originated on the second of February outside of St. Louis, Missouri. It traveled through Missouri and then through, I guess, uh, uh, Illinois and Indiana, and ended up in Ohio. Its destination was Conway, Pennsylvania. It was 150 cars. Of that 150 cars, 20 had uh, dangerous chemicals and things in it. Um, and of those 20, 10 of them were involved in the actual derailment, about 51, I think, cars of, out of that 150 were actually off the rails and tumbled and, and wrecked. Uh, and you're right. So, and so the, the focus, a lot of people have been focusing on one particular chemical that was, there were five carloads of it, that, that chemical was called vinyl chloride. Vinyl chloride boils at like eight degrees Fahrenheit or something. So it has to be shipped in the liquid state. So when it breaches, it doesn't just pour out, you know, into the uh, atmosphere in the soil. It, it, it goes, it actually sort of um, vaporizes and becomes gases and component. And then when it burns, it deteriorates or depends on how you want to call it combines uh, it is transformed chemically into other components it's a very dangerous chemical and it's not just da dangerous from the point of view of like whether you inhale it or touch it or whatever like that but because it's also um, explosive potentially it's also a, it burns um, and so this was a particularly egregious case and it should be pointed out that this train is not considered, this train was not considered as a, as a hazardous train under the very limited kinds of regulations that were issued under the Obama administration and which the Trump administration then eliminated and the current Biden administration will not reimpose. So in other words, this train didn't get the extra kinds of federal regulatory considerations that it needed in order to help uh, prevent this problem. Uh, one of those questions has to do with braking. We also have a big problem with the way that they handled the marshalling of the train, how it was built, and the fact that it's longer and heavier. Well, this has been an issue. This is reminding me of, of a bunch of things that we were talking about when there was a potential for a strike a couple of months ago. The big issue there, of course, being healthcare, but I think also the staffing, which you've talked to us about before, which I'm always just sort of blown away that, you know, how few people, I just took Amtrak uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I mean, I don't know how many engineers there were on it, but, you know, there are certainly a bunch of people, it's a passenger train, I know it's different, 
but I think you were telling us that they've just been reducing and reducing the number of folks running, you know, these these trains. And you were saying what there's 150 cars in this train. That that I mean, I'm no expert, but you know, it seems like you need more than a couple of people. It's a long and heavy train in the in the Ohio case. But actually, the train that you see behind me, this was 25 more cars beyond that. It was oh, a wow. longer train. It was in two states at once. It was, you know, <laughs> this is what's this is what's going on. Uh, and what's happened is the industry, driven by short-term profit uh, motivations under the PSR regime, uh, they're just pressing the envelope and pressing the envelope and pressing the envelope. And what they say, both about the length and the weight of the trains, as well as the crew question, and I can tell you this because I was in the room, in the FRA hearings and in the Maryland State Assembly when the industry talked about it, and they said they said on all these questions that in order to continue to mandate that past practices that were understood as being safe, we would have to document uh, proof that they were the better way to do it. But whenever they decide just to do some new brand new practice that nobody's ever done and nobody's ever checked out, there is no requirement for that. One of the examples was the question, I mean, they've stated that their goal is to have one person on each train. Actually, the real goal is to have nobody on the train and have them run remotely. But most of the time in public, they just say that there, you know, there's no evidence that having more than one person on the train is is a safer thing. Now, I point out, in the case in Ohio, they had a crew of three. There's one of the people was a trainee. So, you know, since that person is, you know sort of a bystander in a certain way but the fact was that they had a conductor and an engineer and because they had an engineer and a conductor they were able to split the locomotive power away from the wreck train and get it out of harm's way where it could have actually created an additional problem and they also provided expert response information and things at the time but if there was only one person on the train and understand that not just norfolk southern all the class ones want to do this you can only do two things with a train you can stop or you can go forward that's it period you can't split you can't back up you can't do any of the things that you might imagine that you would need to do for example to clear a road crossing so a fire truck or an ambulance can go through this is what's posed and this is why uh we think that not we not only in the case of the ohio wreck and all these wrecks we not only have to look at the proximate cause but we have to look at the root causes in psr and then we have to seriously seriously look at whether or not this model that isn't true anywhere else in the developed world basically where the private corporations get to run the critical dangerous and economically central infrastructure and they get to just make any decision that they want with very little oversight and the oversight they get is from captured regulators well let me go back and just uh, remind folks uh, we're talking to fritz adler he's a veteran railroader he's a special rep for railroad workers united uh, former local and regional officer for the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen. That's part of the Teamsters. And uh, you are listening to Your Rights at Work here on WPFW. You can join the conversation, 202-588-0893, if uh, you're concerned, as I certainly am, about these uh, trains running through our neighborhoods with uh, very few people running them. And and I want to get back to something you, you mentioned, uh, Fritz, which is 
I mean, I'm looking at the picture, you know, of the, of the railroad cars uh, behind you from the 16, uh, you know, uh, derailment here in D.C., you know, those are not shiny, you know, like the Amtrak that I took is all shiny and new looking. Those are pretty, old, you know, at least to me, they look yep. old and kind of beat up. I think you had talked before about that the stock is is pretty aging. And I think part of what the problem is, is is the question of, of maintenance. I mean, if that whole thing in East Palestine could happen because of a bearing, which I imagine is, you know, just part of the whole train. Right. Well, it's really the whole bearing is not just a single bearing. It's the whole bearing assembly. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no, explain that. Explain. I mean, what, what I'm sort of trying to imagine is like, you know, I know something about my car if I'm taking it in for some service on Monday because it's got a bit of a shimmy in it. Right. So I'm, I know I got four wheels. I got this. I got that. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine that times 150. <laughs> I'm thinking yeah. that's, a, that's a lot of parts that could go wrong. Who's checking these things? Yeah. Well, so there's a couple of parts to this. Right. One is, is that there's mandated uh, uh, regular maintenance uh, and inspection. The inspection part is key, right? So that there's, uh, it's periodic. There's, it's based upon how much time has passed and a variety of other things, as well as, you know, when, when was the last time it operated, things like that. Um, what the railroads have done is they've furloughed and otherwise driven from the industry much of their expertise in all these crafts, not just maintenance, but on the operating side and in the other crafts as well. And then they apply to the regulators for, you know, waivers on various regulations that exist to say, well, it's inconvenient for us to do an inspection at this location. Uh, We don't want to keep somebody there anymore. So how about if it's okay if we transport this defect over to this other place where maybe we'll look at it. Now, whether that actually is specifically one of the situations in the in the case in Ohio, that remains to come out. The second part of it, and what we already referred to, is this business about wayside detection. The wayside detectors are critical. You know, it's it's kind of like the um, the buck stops there, right? You know, and well, let me just back up and say every wheel that you deal with has bearings in it right your bicycle wheel your car wheel whatever it's not any different on the railroad uh in the case of this wreck that took place in washington dc and in the case uh of the situation out in ohio what happens and presumably it's with if you really just use that equipment and use it and use it and use it and use it uh eventually they there can be a failure the question is how do we catch it and in the case there, they essentially created a situation where the train traveled for a great distance, some of which we now know from other sources of information, it would have picked up this defect and, and they would have stopped the train, they would have set it out and everybody would be fine. But this rolls up exclusively to, the, to PSR and the way that uh, the carriers are inclined to try and get away with as little maintenance and as little inspection and as little detection as possible. That's pretty scary, Fritz. Uh, uh, that that uh, does that doesn't make me feel really confident. And and here's what I'm sort of flashing on because you know, as you heard at the top with some of the news, you know, yet another shooting. And what I worry about, Fritz, and 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 tell me if I'm way off base here, but you know, it's starting to feel with these shootings that we're becoming they're becoming sort of you know. I don't want to say normal or usual, but there's so many of yeah. them. Um, 
And oh, wow, just uh, looks like we have some breaking news uh, from uh, one of our engineers that there was another train derailment in Detroit. Wow. Okay, which sort of makes, thank you, uh, Kalia or Michael, sort of making the point I was trying to make, which is, you know, these train derailments, at least as far as I know, don't seem to happen that often, but uh, it's, is, is this something that we're going to have to sort of get used to? I mean, it's like normalization. That's thank a, you. That's, that's the word, way. That's the word yeah. you're looking for, and that's yeah. kind of what we're dealing with here. And I want to say this because in this, this, you know, narrative that's taking place in the public now, the Association of American Railroads and the carriers are going to cite all kinds of specialized numbers to claim that they're so very safe and that they take care of everything. But the reason that they're able to 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 fool with the numbers the way that they do is because they're running fewer trains. They're running fewer trains from a combination of the fact that they've driven these people out of the industry and they try to, you know, make the trains longer and longer and longer. Uh, And and so but the fact of the matter is, is the number of wrecks per mile is gone up. It's going up. And there's a kind of disingenuous quality to the way that they uh, the uh, industry and their captured regulators and whatnot talk about this, but uh, the public we haven't we have to get to this problem because it's going to eventually get to the point where people just say, well, this is you know this is how things are. That that's exactly what I'm, normalizes exactly the word that I was looking for there, and that's what worries me. Whether it's the shootings or or things mm-hmm. like this, where people are just like, well, you know, this is just sort of what happens, and. You know, as you point out, you know, and I guess in East Palestine, and let me just talk about this a little bit before I let you go. Um, you know, with the release of the toxic chemicals, the the information, and I guess it's not all in yet, but it doesn't seem like maybe they had the correct information right away. Um, they they were telling people the water is safe to drink, um, but they should uh, they say it's safe to drink, but everybody should drink bottled water. Um, and, yeah. and what I'm what I'm hearing uh, from some on the ground reports is that the air is still pretty stinky there, so people are worried about going back. Um, so just sort of help me to understand yeah. those kind of. Uh, well, that, that's important, and and you know I'm my expert. I'm hazmat certified, but I'm not an expert on all the details of of how this monitoring is going on. But I will say this: what I already see is that there's an effort on their part to focus on the air. And say that in the air that they don't detect, they detect levels, but they don't qualify as the high enough levels to worry about. But I think what you're going to find out, what's going to end up happening is, is that the real problems, the lasting problems are going to be from the fact of the long term burning and, and explosions and uh, whatnot that took these chemicals and converted them into new forever chemicals that they won't even necessarily look for. And so, for example, when they vented one of the cars, they breached one of the cars that was leaking to keep it from exploding. They determined that it was going to spread shrapnel over a mile. So they breached it. And when they breached it, it released the components of this chemical that had been transformed by the process of aerosolization and fire. And phosgene gas was one of those things, which is a World War I trench warfare gas. Mm. Another thing mm. is, is hydrogen chloride. Hydrogen chloride is hydrophilic. It, it 
combines with moisture, water particles, wherever it finds them, and creates hydrochloric acid. So where I'm going with this is that going forward, they may legitimately be able to say at some point that the air itself is not the problem, but everything else is. All the, the every you know the playgrounds and the lawn furniture and the and the swimming pools and they're all going to be covered with particulate chemicals, some of which are not going to be the same chemical that was in the railroad car. So the question is, are they going to detect it? But then it goes into the soil and into the water. And, you know, this is not something that nobody knows about. In the Megantic accident, this is the same thing that happened. And this pristine place that used to be a destination for people who wanted the natural world is never going to be the same because of, of what happened. And what happened was preventable, and it's preventable in this case. It's so fascinating, Fritz, because uh, the the chemicals and and I mean, it seems like when something like this happens, you got a choice. You know, you got two bad choices, right? I mean, if you don't vent the the uh, the car, then it's going to explode. That's bad. You got you know flying shrapnel, more fire explosion. If you do vent it, you're you're burning. The, you know, I think they they actually I think if I read right, they actually set fire to it on purpose so they could burn it off. Uh, because they actually used a small explosive. Oh, which, uh, <laughs> they used a small explosive to breach it. And I, you know what? I'm not even going to get into the question of whether they really knew. Uh, it, it would seem that they sort of knew what they were doing. But if you just think about it, and here's the thing is that they did that because the built-in protections of that car, such as they are, that were supposed to release the pressure to keep it from an explosive situation were not working. They were damaged. Well, I don't know, maybe they were already damaged, but they they weren't working after the wreck. And so this is the situation they were left with. But even if they had worked correctly, they would have been leaking vinyl chloride, which is what was happening with some of the other cars. So. Uh, like I said, you know, no, no good choices there. The, the last thing I want to ask you about, the other thing this is reminding me of, Fritz, is, uh, you know, back over the holidays, there was that whole meltdown with Southwest, right? Right. Um, and it turned out that the, among others, the pilots had been warning about this ancient system, the scheduling system, which I don't know if you remember, but I mean, to to get scheduled and rescheduled, people actually had to like call in. There was nothing online. No. Um, it was this really sort of ancient system. And the pilots had been warning for years, you know, this is a problem, you know, something bad's going to happen. And, you know, I think they even went in and testified in Congress. And I, I'm sort of flashing on this, you know, with you, because I think sometimes you must feel like a voice in the wilderness, you know, warning yeah. about this stuff. And everybody's like, yeah, go on, Fritz. It's fine. Um, but just That's talk why about we want to talk about it, because because otherwise in our our normal internal voices within our unions and whatnot like that have not been sufficient to to, if you'll excuse the pun, stop this train of PSR. Well, but that's what I'm what I'm wondering about. Just from the worker point of view, it must be extraordinarily frustrating. And I just remember, you know, hearing the pilots and I heard them, you know, uh, being interviewed and being very frustrated because, it's, you know, look, acts of God happen, weird stuff happens. I mean, you know, that that, that, that you can't you know, expect or that you know you can't prepare for every eventuality. That's not what you're saying. That's not what the pilots were saying. But then yeah. you've got stuff you know, like this ancient system that they knew was going to break down. And you've got stuff like this in East Palestine where, you know, you basically, you can't say where it's going to happen, but you know that it's going to happen. I'm just thinking from the worker point of view, that's that's going to be, you, you guys are professionals. 
Well, and the other thing is that we're the only ones that are always exposed, right? So it's, it's really a tragedy that these folks that live in East Palestine uh, are uh, having this, their lives are affected, if not ruined. Um, they're already having to move people out and things like that. But the railroad workers, the crews, we're, we're there 24-7. We're somewhere in, the, in every moment, there's a bunch of railroad workers on that equipment, and they will be the first ones that get affected. Give folks uh, the the uh, the website uh, for Railroad Workers United because it's a very yeah. helpful website. That's railroadworkersunited.org, and please look there and check out the various uh, reports on the equipment and the problems historically, uh, as well as our resolution on public ownership and um, uh, other materials. And we welcome uh, our our partners as stakeholders the the public involvement in this question. Well, Fritz, thanks for jumping on and bringing some light to this. Uh, and I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I'm sure we're going to have to have yep. you back, but we appreciate your report. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right. Take care. That's Fritz Adler. He is a veteran railroader. He's a special rep for Railroad Workers United. He's a former local and regional officer of BLET-IBT. That's the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen. That is part of the Mighty Teamsters Union. This is a public service.